Matthew chapter 7, as we conclude our little mini-series here in the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. If you find your way there, it's page 812 in the Pew Bible. As you walked in, obviously you noticed something different in here. Uh, the chairs are in, in case you didn't notice, that's what you're sitting on. Uh, but uh, this past week, we had lots of help getting the pews out. Uh, several of you took pews. If you are still interested in a pew or half a pew, they do come apart. Uh, we found that out as we moved them. Of course, I think most of us knew that. But if you're interested, we still have uh, probably around nine or ten left. They're out at the Schmitz's house. Uh, thank you to Tom and Jessica for storing, uh, storing them for anybody else who would like one. And then we got the chairs in on Thursday, got them unpacked, and uh, set them up just like the pews. There's going to be some adjustments as we figure things out and the best way to organize them and maybe put a little angle in there or whatnot. And so we appreciate your flexibility and there will be book racks hopefully put on soon as well, so the Bibles can slide under there. Um, the, all those chairs weren't saved this morning when you walked in, right? My, my wife was worried about that. I said, I think they'll get it, that they're just on the pew, on the chair if somebody needs it. So uh, we're excited uh, for the addition, for the uh, things being added here. And we got a phone call when we were unloading the chairs from the music store. Uh, our piano should be here within probably a couple weeks. And Pastor James said, asked the, uh, the individual, will their Christmas music be played on it? And he said, yes. So it should be here before Christmas. And so uh, things are moving along. If you found your way to Matthew chapter 7, let's pray. And then I'll read our passage for us this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, to worship you and sing together, Lord, to remind us Lord, how we need to be reminded so often of Jesus and what he's done. Lord, the fact that he is with us, he is our hope in life and death. Lord, there's many people here this morning and just as many cares and weights and situations and circumstances, yet you are enough for all of them. Lord, help us continue to cling to Christ, to look to him, to build our lives on him. Lord, that means putting off our sin, not thinking how our sinful flesh wants, Lord, but according to him and his word. Lord, help us this morning as we come to it, Lord, to teach us, to train us, to make us more like Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. A right foundation is crucial. It's imperative to the building of any structure, putting down footings, making sure you have enough support to hold the structure. It's amazing what is needed to keep a building upright. I have an infographic up here on six of the tallest buildings in the world and what their footings required. 
in Los Angeles, there's the Wilshire Grand Center. It's 1,100 feet tall. It has an 18-foot thick concrete mat that set the Guinness World Record for the largest continuous concrete pour in history. 18 feet thick. That's a lot of concrete. <laughs> the Willis Tower, or more affectionately referred to as the Sears Tower, by those of us who remember that at a point in time, it is 1,451 feet tall. It has 114 reinforced concrete caissons or pillars set into the bedrock. And each of those have a five-foot diameter. Taipei 101 in Taiwan is just over 1,600 feet tall. It has a continuous four-foot thick wall extending 154 feet down to keep out the groundwater. And inside of that are 380 concrete piers, each with a five-foot diameter holding it up. One World Trade Center, which is the appropriate 1,776 feet tall, 1776, has rock anchors that extend 80 feet into the bedrock. And it's built so it can not only support the building, but also the subway that comes underneath it. Shanghai Tower, which is over 2,000 feet tall, has 980 foundation piles driven into the bedrock, each with a three-foot diameter. And underneath all of those is a 20-foot thick, thick reinforced concrete. They call it a mat. And then the last one is the Burj Khalifa, which is, get this, 2,723, 2,723 feet tall. It's almost half a mile tall has 192 foundational piles with a 12-foot concrete mat under each pile, and those are five foot in diameter. All of these buildings, which are super tall, start with this foundation that must be rock solid. It's reinforced concrete. It's solid. It's drilled into the bedrock so that these tall buildings won't fall over or end up like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. A foundation is crucial to any building to put all that time and energy and effort into it. And yet, when the difficulties and the stresses and the weight of weather and wind and time come upon the building, you don't want it to fall down. The foundation is crucial. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives this summary of the Sermon on the Mount. He gives this overview, this, this final illustration of what it means to follow him. And he uses this illustration of building a house, the wise man and the foolish man. We all know it. From a young age, we sing the song, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. And it's fun with the rain and the wind and all those actions. But it's such a great and important spiritual reality that building one's life on Jesus Christ is a must. It is a must. Our big idea from this passage is this, is that building One's life on Jesus Christ brings security through the ups and downs of life. Building one's life on Jesus Christ brings security through the ups and downs of life. This security is found only in Jesus. He is that solid rock. He is that foundation. Throughout the rest of the New Testament, we read of Jesus being the cornerstone. Throughout the Old Testament, we see 
God himself reflected as a rock, right? In the, especially in the Psalms. Oh Lord, my rock and my fortress. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Building one's life on Jesus brings security through the ups and downs of life. This is the culmination of the Sermon on the Mount, starting in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus weaves and winds and threads together this sermon about what it means to follow him and live for him, to seek after his kingdom and not the kingdom of this world or our own selfish kingdom. And he talks about the Beatitudes, blessed are this, blessed is this, blessed is this. He, he talks about prayer and all these other things, about not only not killing, but not even hating somebody, not committing adultery, but not even lusting after another. He heightens all of the law to living not only externally, but inwardly and following after him. In the end of chapter 7, he gives this summary starting in verse 13 to the end of two ways to live. The narrow way, the wide way, right? The false prophet or the true follower. A healthy tree or a diseased tree. And now we come to verses 24 through 29. The wise man and the rock and the foolish man and the sand. So as we look at this passage, we're going to walk through it, and then I will have three points of application that kind of form the structure of our outline this morning. But let's look at this illustration and what it contains, and then the three points of application we can draw from it. So let's look here. He says in verse 24, everyone who hears these words, everyone then who hears these words, your translation, if you have a different one, might say, therefore, everyone... It's this idea, this is the summary. Yes, the summary going back to verse 13, but also the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, because of all that I've said, here's a final illustration. If you want to wrap it up, if you want the Cliff Notes version, right? you don't want to watch the whole movie, you just want the trailer, the two-minute trailer. It's this. Everyone, therefore, or everyone then, who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you hear the words of Jesus and you do the words of Jesus, you are like a wise man. And that's important. Jesus here is contrasting the wise and the foolish. Pretty simple. But what separates the wise and the foolish? They both build houses. They both endure the same difficulties of life. What sets them apart? Well, it's what they build their lives on. Obviously, rock and sand, but what is the real-life application of that imagery? The wise man is one who hears the words of Jesus and does them. The foolish man is the one who hears the words of Jesus but does not do them. That's important. Because it continues to reinforce this idea that Jesus has been laying out. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just liking Jesus. It's more than just saying, yeah, I'm a fan of Christianity. Yeah, I would call myself a Christian. I even maybe listen to sermons. I might even be familiar with the Bible. But a true follower of Jesus, somebody who is on the narrow way, 
through that narrow gate is one who hears the words of Jesus, but also does them, puts them into practice, seeks to live their life by them. Once again, this is not saying you earn your way to heaven by doing these things. But one who hears the words of Jesus and responds in faith will do the words of Jesus. I'm saying this again and again. You're probably getting tired. You're like, I'm ready for the next series. Because the last four weeks, we've said basically the same thing. Well, Jesus has been saying the same thing. And it's important because our natural proclivity is to say, yes, that's awesome, God. I like that. That's a cool verse. Oh, that's encouraging. And the next day we live for ourselves. It doesn't translate from hearing into doing like a child. Those of you who are parents, your children are grown, I'm sure you can remember telling your kids to do something. And you say this, do you hear me? And they say, yes. And then you say, okay, then go do it. <laughs> See a lot of some moms looking next to them right now, right? That's happens in our house all the time. Ezra, did you hear what I said? Yeah. Are you doing it? I will. Do it now. And then my wife says the same thing to me, right? <laughs> Did you hear me? Yes. Do it now. Okay. <laughs> Hearing and then doing. James talks about this, right? As we, we, we come to the word of God, and it's like a man looking in a mirror, and he looks at it, but yet then he goes away and he forgets what he looks at. We read the word of God. We come to the mirror of God's word and say, wow, that's what I look like. I need to do something. I need to, to live this out. I need to, to change by God's grace. The contrast between the wise and the foolish is not the word of God in our lives or the teaching of Jesus in our lives and hearing it, but it's the obedience of doing it, of living out what we hear. So the wise man built his house on the rock. Rock is an easy illustration for us to understand. Rocks are hard. Rocks are hard. They are solid. You, you see a huge rock, you're like, I wonder how much that weighs. If you've been up to camp, they have this large rock outside their gymnasium, which they call the rock. And you look at it, and you're like, wow, that's a heavy rock. But then you hear how much it actually weighs, and it blows your mind how dense you know, a rock is. You're like, ah, it can't be. I know it's heavy, but it's not that heavy. A rock is solid. It's a foundation in our house in Prior Lake up in Minnesota, it was the old farmhouse that the city grew up and around. And so all these new houses around us, and then there was our house that had a stone foundation. You go down to the basement, and literally it was, they probably pulled them out of the field uh, on, on the homestead there. And these rocks that were fit together and put together, it was a rock foundation. It was, it was amazing. Talking to a friend who was a, a contractor by trade, and he was looking at some things down there, and he said, your foundation will probably last longer than some of these concrete foundations around here. The rock is something that is strong. It's immovable. It's this imagery that it does not change. You can beat against it, and it won't break. So the wise man builds his house. This imagery of house is that of a life, how you live your life, the direction, your motivation, what you are aiming at. The wise man built his house on the rock, and what happened? It says the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. We're familiar with rain. 
We're familiar with floods. We're familiar with winds. A few years ago, I think it was not even our first few months here, and that storm came through that really flattened things around here. And I remember standing down uh, by the door, and I couldn't see our house, and I couldn't see across the road to when Livingston's lived across the road, and I couldn't see either house, and I thought, I should probably get away from this glass door. That was my, that was my well, it's probably my second or third thought after, wow, this is awesome. Um, we're familiar with winds and rain and floods. They're destructive. They're destructive. It's amazing when you even get an inch of water in your basement, the cleanup and the things that it affects. And, and a flood that comes, the power of washing away buildings. Now, this weather is the situations of life, the difficulties of life. Just as the house is a picture of someone's life that they live and how they live it, these weather things are the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties of life that beat upon us. But the wise man who built his house on the rock, though all these things came, the rain, the floods, the winds, and they beat, it's the idea of a repeated pounding. They beat on the house. It did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock, on Jesus Christ and his teaching of hearing and doing, of living a life focused on Jesus Christ. Then the contrast in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine, same phrase, same phrase, who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you hear the words and you do them, you're wise. You hear the words and you don't, you're foolish. It's pretty simple. That term foolish is the same idea that Proverbs repeats again and again. The fool, the simple. The foolish person, somebody who is who's not all there. They, they, they are, they're blinded by their own foolishness, their own ineptness. The foolish man built his house on the sand. This imagery is pretty easy. Sand can be hard. It can be packed down. And it can give some sort of footing. But over time, as the rains come and as the floods come, that sand gets soft and it washes away. I'm sure we can all picture a sand castle. It's something that we easily have in our minds. This past summer, we went with family to the shores of Lake Michigan, and the kids love playing in the sand and building things, and, and you build it up, and you, you dig it out, and you get this awesome sand castle, and you're like, wow. And then the next day, you can come back, and you can see the water has washed away. It's seeped up and has cut it out. Right? You build it too close to the shore when the water comes, and it comes and washes it away. We think of a flood Think of the Cedar River flood. You see the waters come up and the waters go down. You realize that looks a little bit different than it did before. It didn't quite bend that way. I don't remember that sandbar there. Because these pressures can wash away the sand very easily. Verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. Same exact things. This is important. Everything that happens to the house built on the rock happens to the house built on the sand. There's no preferential treatment. 
There's no easy way out. What happens to one happens to the other. But what is the difference is the foundation. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That last phrase, great was the fall of it. It's a, it was a catastrophe. It was catastrophic. It was complete. There was nothing left standing in a sense. Jesus here gives this final illustration. And he's saying, those who build their lives on me, my words, my commands, my teachings, is wise. You will endure the difficulties of life. Those who hear my words but don't do them are foolish. And they will be washed away. They will be overcome with the difficulties of life. But you also take a step back. And those trials and tribulations, that destruction that's coming refers not only to the difficulties of life, but also to the final judgment, to the final reckoning, to the final execution of God's justice. Those who built their lives on Jesus Christ can stand before him at the end and say, I am declared righteous because of Jesus Christ. I have lived my life out of faith for him because of what he's done. I have followed him. And those who say, well, I heard it. Jesus is awesome. Well, Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. You might look like a tree, but you are bearing dead fruits. You will be destroyed. Destruction, burned up. The way that leads to death. Those who build their lives on Jesus Christ, those who, who do that, have no fear when the final wrath of God comes. But those who build their lives on sand, on the foolishness, on the way of their own hearts or the way of the, the world, the fall is coming and it is great. Verse 28 and 29 give the summary here of not only this section, but all the Sermon on the Mount. And we, we read this often in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus would teach and preach and they would respond in amazement. It says when Jesus finished Saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus spoke as the living word, the true word. He spoke with authority because he himself is God. He is the one who is the ultimate and final judge. He is the one who has the right to say these things. So he does not speak out of tradition. He does not speak out of consensus, he does not speak out of what the crowd wants to hear, but he speaks out of the truth of who he is and his own authority. Not as the scribes who go back and forth, who manipulate, who seek their own gain and standing by how they teach, but rather Jesus teaches as one who has actual authority. The wise man and the foolish man. Build your house on the rock. Don't build your house on the sand. So as we think here, our simple three-point outline of application for this section. And I apologize. Um, this is, happens from time to time as a preacher. You get it going, and I sent myself off to Bethany, and I, get, I got two points. And then yesterday I was working and reading and thinking again and changing, and all of a sudden I have three points now. So two will be on the screen. The other one I will repeat several times, so those of you who like to take notes. 
First off, and this one I don't think is on there, following Jesus is the wise way to live. It's simple. It's a simple statement, but it's so true. Following Jesus is the wise way to live. Wisdom, right? Kurt just took us through Proverbs in Sunday school not too long ago. We talked about wisdom. It's, it's, it's knowledge, and that knowledge applied to how we live. And Proverbs is full of wisdom. As we live in this world, how can we live in a wise way? But following Jesus is the wise way to live. There are numerous ways that people would encourage you to live today. If you have any question about that, go to an actual bookstore that sells paperback books, like hard copy books, and go to the religion and spirituality and self-help areas. There are numbers and numbers of titles where people write books on how to live and what your direction, your motivation, your thinking should be. You could follow other religions. There are well-known people who have ascribed their success to following a false religion. From business people to athletes to to movie stars, you know, anybody who's in that public eye. One of the greatest basketball coaches of all time subscribes to Buddhism, and he says that's why he's won 11 world championships, because of his focus and meditation through that false religion. There are self-help books. Literally, there's a book that says the success is called saying no or something to that effect. And then there's another book that basically says the exact opposite. (laughs) The success to living a quality life is saying no to things. And then a completely different author wrote a book that said the success in living your life well is saying yes to things. So which is it? (laughs) There's all kinds of ideas. There's science. There's popular opinion. But yet the wise way, the true way of wisdom is following Jesus. And not only following Jesus himself, but as we follow Jesus, we read his word. And that's important. Because people will tell you, well, I like Jesus, but that Bible, I don't know about the Bible. Listen, you can't have Jesus without the Bible. Just as Jesus is the living word, John 1, this is the written word. This is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? God has given us his word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that we may be complete or competent, equipped for every good work. We follow Jesus, and we follow Jesus by following his word, living according to it by grace, by his strength and power through his Holy Spirit. If you want to live and follow Jesus in a wise way, you will heed his word and seek to use this as the lens in which you see the world, in which you see your life and how you make decisions. It also reminds you, hey, you're a sinner (laughs) and your motivations aren't always pure. In fact, they're always usually a little taint of sin in there somewhere. And that's hard, right? To stop and think, okay, God's word is telling me this. What do my actions say? Am I heeding them? Am I I listening to God and his word? 
The wise way to live is following Jesus, and that means following his word. By heeding the truth in it, of putting off sin, of renewing your thinking, of putting on Christ's likeness, of seeing the importance of, of joining a body of believers, of being active in your local church. The truth of that is there. In the midst of the unknowns of life, the wisdom that Jesus and his words offer are priceless. I love that account in Acts after Jesus has just ascended and the disciples are going out and, and uh, Peter and some of the apostles come and there's a man begging, right? And he says, please, you know. And they say, what do we have? Gold, gold or silver I have none, but this I give to you, right? Take up your bed and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Basically, they, they don't have gold or silver. They don't have money, but they have the word of God, the power of God. These are the words of eternal life. These words do not change. So we build our lives on them. Number two, which is I think is the first point in the outline that I did give Bethany, is that following Jesus does not remove difficulties. As we seek to build our lives on Christ, the way of wisdom is following him, of living according to his word. But that doesn't mean that difficulties won't come. I'm sure all of you could say amen to that. Being a follower of Jesus does not mean life is going to be easy. In fact, sometimes it gets harder because you see your own sin and the difficulties that we get ourselves in. <laughs> Our own numbskull comments. Oh, that anger, that comment that, that slipped out, right? That sin in my own heart. Following Jesus does not remove difficulties. Just as the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand, just because he built it on the rock did not mean that the wind and the waves and the floods did not come. They did. In this life, we will have difficulties. We will have things outside of our control, circumstances of life. We will have loss of a job. We will have literal storms that come and knock down trees or crops. We will have medical needs and sickness and disease that we have in our bodies that medicine can't fix. We will have relational difficulties. We'll have people who don't follow God, who are not believers, mock us for our faith. We will have difficulties in this life. If I follow Jesus, sometimes we think, I'll be rich, I'll be happy, I'll be popular, life will be a breeze, and I can do whatever I want. That's wrong. That, that's, a, that's a false gospel. We call that the prosperity gospel, meaning if I follow Jesus, everything's going to be kittens and rainbows. It's going to be awesome. And we can easily slip into that. I even had that thought, uh, thinking a friend helped me think through that. When we did move up to Minnesota, we were looking at this house, and we were unsure, is this the right one for us, and is this the right decision? And, and I was equating it that if this is the right decision, and we bought this house, that if something went wrong, it would be the wrong decision. My friend said, Greg, that's prosperity gospel. What you're saying is that if you make the right choice, everything's going to be okay. He said, this could be the right choice for you and your family. But there could be a storm and a tree fall on your house in the next few weeks. That doesn't mean it was the wrong choice. You see how we easily can slip into that thinking of, well, if I, if I make the right choice, well, then everything's going to be okay. No, you can make a good, godly decision, and it's going to have difficulties come from following Jesus 
means that you abandon, in a sense, family and the motivations of the world. And that's going to cause difficulties in your life. But that is not a wrong choice. That is a wise choice. Following Jesus does not remove difficulties. But through it, it provides security and hope in the midst of them. Not that I am a veteran of life by any means, but I can already see, I don't know how I would have gotten through some things in life without Jesus. He is there. He does not fail. Everything around us will fail. People will fail us, but Jesus does not. Lastly, number three, following Jesus keeps you from destruction. What is the result of the foolish man who built his house upon the sand? It fell, and great was the fall of it. It was catastrophic, complete destruction. Those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, who are seeking to follow him, will come to that great fall, that utter destruction at the final judgment. Though difficulties are not removed from our lives, as the Father of Jesus Christ, we know the ultimate destination is secure. And when you know the ultimate end, you can endure the present difficulties. Right? When we know our ultimate destination, our ultimate end, we can endure the present difficulties. Following Jesus keeps us from destruction, eternal destruction. We have eternal life, not death. We have hope, not despair. We have peace, not worry. This life is not all that there is. And that's important. That is so very, very important. That there's way more than just this present life. And this prepares us for that final judgment. In fact, we live our lives in such a way different because of that. The foolish will fall in a great catastrophic way. But the wise will endure forever with Jesus Christ. Following Jesus is the wise way to live. Following Jesus does not remove difficulties, but gives hope in the midst of them. And following Jesus keeps us from that ultimate eternal destruction, and it keeps us to eternal life. These words are sure. They are spoken with authority by Jesus himself. There are two ways to live. Follow Jesus or follow something else. Every person you meet is going to end up in one of two places. With God forever in eternity. Or in the lake of fire in judgment for eternity. There's no middle way. There's no in-between. There's no waiting room. There's no, well, I'm just going to wait and see. It's one way or the other. Every person, I love that quote from C.S. Lewis, no one has met a mere mortal. Everyone you meet will live forever. We are all immortal. Well, not in the sense that we think of through our human lives right now, but truly we are immortal. We will live in one of two places forever. And Jesus here is laying it out for his listeners in the first century, and it's been recorded for us today. There's two ways to live. Enter by the narrow gate or the wide gate. Be a healthy tree that bears fruits or be a diseased tree that gets cut down and burned. Know Christ and do the Father's will. Submit to it or seek your own self-promotion. 
Build your house on the rock, like the wise man. Build your house on the sand, like the foolish. Two ways to live. Who are you following? Take heed to your soul. Do you only like Jesus, or do you actually know him as your Savior? Do you listen and do, or do you listen and don't? Believe and follow. And as Jesus said in the Gospels, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the warning and the commands, the challenges from Matthew chapter 7. Lord, I pray for our, everyone here this morning, for those who know Christ, that they would continue on that narrow way, seeking to live out their faith, not to earn salvation, but because of it. Lord, I pray for those here who may not know Christ as their Savior, particularly the, the kids that are here. Lord, that there are going to be many things presented to them in their lives. May they choose Jesus. And may we as adults live it out. <laughs> may we see it fleshed out in our day-to-day -day conversation and activity that we seek to follow after Christ. Lord, may we build our house upon the rock. And when the storms come, may we remain steadfast because of Christ. Lord, we love you. We pray in his name.